Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Baseball is back. Oh, it feels good. The Windy City Podcast. Thanks for checking it out. We've got two White Sox for you today. Dylan Cease, who looks incredible, and he'll start the season out as the number three starter, but I don't know. We'll see where he ends up this year. Wouldn't completely shock me if Dylan Cease was the actual number one starter on the White Sox by the end of the year, at least performance-wise. And then Steve Ciszek out of the Cubs bullpen, now coming out of the White Sox bullpen, as I'll get in with Steve a little Cubs-Sox comparison. Steve's a great guy, very easy guy to root for. Uh, Before we do that, though, let me weigh in on my thoughts on what's going on in the world. And Mark Cuban came out of this podcast about two months ago, and I fell in love with Cuban well before he ever came on. But the fact that he came on the podcast, straight me emailing him, that was awesome. And he, you know, I'm not uh, Bob Costas over here. I don't need to say that. I'm. Uh, you probably already know that. But you get the point. Like, he's just willing to come on. And he's got a serious show and he's running the Mavericks. He's But he's he just feels like he's one of us. And now he's getting in there on the national anthem conversation. The national anthem police. Going at Ted Cruz. And I'm not trying to sway you away from if you love the anthem before sporting events, that's great. Blackhawks fans out there, special moment before a hockey game, I get it. You love it. And for certain people who don't go to a lot of sporting events, I think the anthem is a special part of the experience. I get that too. But I also get that what Cuban's saying. Yeah. We don't play the national anthem before we start our work day. We don't play the national anthem before we go to the movies. We don't need to play the anthem before every single sporting event. We all, in our own unique ways, even if we're hating the country, we love the country. If I ever say anything bad about America, it's because I love America. That's how I see it, at least. And... If a Chicago Bulls game was just the intros, well, now that would suck because who the hell do you even cheer for? Zach Levine. Woo! I mean, it's brutal, but you get the point. If the Bulls game back in the day was just the intros, that would have been sweet. I didn't need the national anthem. I don't need it before a baseball game either. Football is so wrapped up in it. Flyovers and the parachuters coming down and everything, which is cool. But if they didn't do it and they just did a sweet run on the field intro and everybody went nuts, I'd love that too. So there's just a weird holding on or demanding of something with the anthem that I don't quite get. Most people, I don't know about most people, but I was actually I would say most people, at least at some point in their sports going process while the anthem's going you're either a in the bathroom b in line for food c getting another beer d texting someone right you don't have to tell anybody you don't have to admit it to me but that's that's part of it and okay you love the anthem but if if and i don't think they're ever going to get rid of it but the whole national anthem police people you need to chill there's no lack of love for the country for 
by the way, for those who are actually, I think that's actually straight love of the country if you're trying to make the country better and do something like what Colin Kaepernick did or whatever the NFL players, NBA players, MLB players are going to do this year. And like my guy Sam Acho on last week, it's more than just what you're doing to the anthem. It's actually boots on the ground, real change, knocking down this liquor store and putting up a supermarket in the Austin City neighborhood. Sam Acho, you're awesome. So at any rate, back to Mark Cuban. Way to be in there, bud. Way to go, Mark Cuban. Uh, huge, huge fan. All right. On that note, let's get the baseball guys in here. And by the way, last one, actually. I did not realize how much I missed baseball until baseball was on my television last night. Until I was sitting there on my couch, looking at the White Sox, looking at the Cubs at Wrigley Field. And, oh, it was like a friend showing up that you hadn't seen and hadn't thought about. But then when they were there, like, oh, I missed you, bud. Missed you a lot. So... I, was, I think I've just been saying to myself that, ah, you know, sports, I love it. It's what I do, but I don't really miss it. And I'm surviving just fine without it and, and all that. But seeing baseball on the TV last night did feel, it felt really nice. And now I'm really looking forward to the NBA playoffs. Come on, baby. 346 players tested, 346 negative. They're, the way they're doing that bubble down there in Orlando, it's impressive. If you read the articles on everything they're doing, the NBA is is on it. So fingers crossed that'll they'll stay that way. Football, eh, that doesn't feel like it's going to go as well. All right, now we go. We'll bring in our first guest, Dylan Cease, White Sox starter, and yeah, the huge part of that ripoff trade that sent Jose Quintana to the North Side, and then the White Sox getting Cease and Eloy Jimenez. Here is Dylan Cease. So how you feeling coming into this crazy times, right? Yeah, I feel great. I feel I feel ready to get started. What uh, has been the biggest challenge for you? Just keeping yourself, uh, I guess, in pitching shape and also in good mental shape with the pandemic. Yeah, I think mentally for sure is the biggest challenge. Just not knowing, you know, not knowing how how much to throw, how to prepare when you don't when you have an open ended you know start date. Um, you know, just just staying motivated over that couple months um, of not of not knowing what was going to happen was tough. But uh, you know, right now it's we're so close that um, you know it's it's we're ready to go. How often you know were you throwing? If we you know go all the way back to after spring training number one, you know ended, and where did you go, Dylan? Were you at home? Or how did how did that all go down? I was in Kennesaw, Georgia, and uh, so I had a stretch of probably about a month at home where I didn't get off a mound, but I was just throwing on the sidewalk with my brother. And then uh, I was able to get off a mound about twice a week throughout most of uh, most of um, the break. 
And how many pitches were you throwing? Like, how would you do it? Like, hey, I'm just going to go until I feel fatigued, or were you monitoring it? How does how does a professional on your level kind of determine that? On So on Tuesdays, I would throw pretty much like what I would consider my, my bullpen for my game. Like, so my day two, just practice for my game on day five. And then um, on Friday or Saturday, I would end up throwing um, like a simulated bullpen where I'd pretty much be max effort and I'd get up and down two or three times. Yeah. So I don't know if it's kind of weird to even have this question or just the thought of it, but like if this was a normal July, whatever it is, like do you feel like like you're sort of in midseason form or like to that level of fatigue or do you feel like this is opening day? Um, no, I think the body, my body's still going to have to get used to, um, you know, more intensity because it's, you can't really simulate, even when you're doing inner squads, it's not the same as facing, you know, another team for, for a major league game. Um, so I think there's still going to be a little bit of the body needing to get ready to throw with that much intensity. But other than that, like stuff wise and execution wise, I feel like I'm, um, where I need to be. I was wondering about that from the intra-squad part like do you there's got to be party that's like see you're my teammate and yes by the way if if I faced you in a game you'd have no chance like that that's got to be fun right yeah I mean I, I never you know would think that about my teammates but um it is it, it definitely can be fun and especially facing your friends get uh, bragging rights right who's anybody anybody talking a little chirping going on over there uh no not you know, yesterday was a good outing to where I, there wasn't much room for it, I think. Yeah, I got to tell, I mean, from my vantage point watching, Dylan, it, it looks like your stuff is as good as it's ever been. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I'd agree. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so you, you've definitely been doing something right here. How are yep. you How are you looking at the jump from 2019 to 2020 for you? What's what's outside of, you know, I guess throwing more strikes, going deeper in a ball game? What, what, are, what are some of the things you're trying to pinpoint which you – you know, are focusing on? Uh, big thing is not uh, not having the fastball cut as much, um, throwing a changeup for strikes. And then, you know, if I can do what I did with my off-speed last night, it's, it's going to be a, a good year, I think. Um, you know, I felt like last year I pretty much – I performed almost as poorly as I could. So uh, this year it's it's got to be a, a step up. So that's interesting. Your assessment of last year is that you were – basically at the low end of, of whatever your expectations are for your performance. Like, yes, definitely. How, how would, can you underline that a little bit? Like what was the most disappointing part? Uh, most disappointing was just not having good command. Um, I felt like my stuff, I fixed it a little bit in September. It got better, but for most of the year, it was just one of those years where it was like a, you know, it was like a grind in a fight where I feel like I was, you know, trying to find it trying to find it every day and, and searching for it. Whereas, you know, right now I feel like I don't even have to think about it. I'm just, I'm just throwing and, and trying to be as nasty as I can be. Do you think that's just the natural progression of last year jumping into the big leagues and you just, you're going to have to get comfortable. I mean, you basically can point to, I don't know, 85% of all pitchers who went through that. Is that how you're looking at it? Um, yeah, I think it really just comes down to, uh, are you executing pitches or not? And last year I didn't execute pitches and, uh, you know, they, Big league hitters are going to make you pay for that. Yeah. Did you get with Lucas at all to discuss his progression as well? I, I know you guys uh, obviously have, you know, your teammates, the relationship and whatnot, but was anything different this offseason kind of, you know, I don't know, strategizing-wise? Yeah, I mean, we definitely talk, 
talk about, you know, mechanical stuff and, and all that. Um, I, I picked his brain throughout the year last year because he, he pretty much went through, you know, went through what I was going through. So uh, he, he was a, a good resource. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's an interesting combination, the two of you, Dylan. I feel like you both, you both are operating on a, I don't know, a similar brain path. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's a... Uh, it's it's uh, it's always interesting to talk to you guys, and I appreciate you doing this. By the way, Wha- how how are you looking at? Uh, I don't know. This crazy sixty game season. What's possible for the team? Yeah, I feel great about it. I feel really optimistic. Um, this lineup has, you know, more depth than any team I've ever been on. Um, you know, the pitching staff has a ton of potential. It's just, you know, do we play up? Do we play up to our potential, or do we don't? Is really what it comes down to. You know, we've got playoff. We've got playoff talent for sure. So. Um, right now I feel really optimistic. And this is maybe more of a media narrative than a player, but the way, the way I see it, Dylan, you guys basically have nothing to lose. It's either, okay, it's a weird 60 game season and you're still young and it's sort of a developmental year, or you go out and you shock, I don't know, shocks, maybe shocks too strong, but you, you go out and you make the playoffs and then people are like, whoa, the White Sox are ahead of schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really. You know, it's going to be a sprint. If we can get hot up or hot early, um, you know, we've got a chance. There's really, you know, I don't want to sit here and, you know, say we, we have to do it, we have to do this or that. But, I mean, with the talent level we have, we need to, we need to be either closer or in it, you know? Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? Uh, I mean, so our lineup, for one, you know, I feel like really we've got no holes in there. And then um, our bullpen – is nasty and our starting rotation is good. You know, that's 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 a combination for the playoffs if you put it all together. Okay, so you're saying like the the floor is that you guys are going to be close. And yeah, I think so. I, I don't see why not. But obviously, it's there's a lot of factors. It's a 60 game sprint. There's things we can't control. But um, I, if we, if we play to our ability, we we have to be close at yeah. the very least. That's how I see it. I'm like. I see a team that's that's loaded over there, so yeah. uh, um, you know, fingers crossed that it goes that way for you. Um, have you have you talked to Michael Kopech at all? I'm assuming not, but uh, you know, how, how, that's obviously you're you've got some care for your teammate going on right now. Yeah, um, you know, I, I completely understand his decision. Um, I'll definitely be in touch with him, and you know, if he needs anything or or anything like that. But um, you know, I completely understand it. Um, and it, it just, it's sad for me because he's so nasty. Um, I don't get to watch him this year, which is unfortunate, but you know, I think he'll come back as, as strong as ever next year. Did you have to kind of go back and forth yourself of whether you wanted to play? I didn't know. Yeah. It, it's, it's all individual circumstances, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you know, he's, he's married. He's got, he's got other things going on that I don't, that, you know, for me, it's, it's, I'm willing to risk it, but you know, there's just it's it's different situation for everybody. Anybody in your family try to talk you out of it? Uh, no, no. That's go family. Got it. You you got to support. Young they they like watching. They like watching baseball too much. <laughs> well, there you go. It's not just about the son. It's about their own personal interest, right there. Oh, definitely. So, uh, just a couple more, and then we'll let you go. And I appreciate the time again. But uh, yeah. who who would you say? has been the toughest White Sox player for you to face. Oh, Romine, for sure. That guy's hitting like 700, 100, uh, 700 off me right now. What What is it about him? He 
I don't know. <laughs> veteran veteran hitter? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you when you look at at Luis Robert hitting a home run while falling down. That was hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Have you ever seen anybody do that before? No. I mean, I don't know if it's ever been done. Yeah, I've, okay. I mean, I don't know if it's been done either, I guess. Have you, do you ever do you ever check out his Instagram? Um I don't I don't know if I follow him. Is it do I need to check it out? Uh, he's he's out there. I I think it's I I find him very entertaining and I kind of sort of worry like are you putting too much pressure on yourself cuz he's you know, he's 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 got some confidence flowing there, but I think that's I think that's sweet that look, he's just enjoying his life and uh you know, having some fun playing the game. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, with someone as hyped as that, I don't know how you wouldn't, you know, wouldn't put that much pressure on yourself. But at the end of the day, I, I think he's going to have a really strong support structure here. Um, you know, and just, he, you know, he's going to be told, hey, you, you don't have to do anything more than what you do. You're, you're talented. You're going to be a great player. Just, just relax and do what you're capable, you know? Yeah. Last two here. L- leader yeah. of the pitching staff right now, who would you say? If there is one, yeah, uh, I think it's 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 tough because you got you got Keuchel and Gio who have been here in our veteran presence, and uh, you know Gio as in Gio Gonzalez, and you got Gio Giolito who was an All Star last year. So, I mean, definitely definitely those three. It's not me, I can tell you that. Yeah, uh, Dallas coming over that can be a big deal, right? The guy who's been in the yeah. in, in the wars, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, he's already helped me out for sure. Yeah. And so who, outside of the staff, who who in, in the clubhouse right now is maybe, I don't know, the loudest slash uh, maybe holding guys accountable at the same time? Maybe it's not the loudest. Maybe it's more of a Jose Abreu that you'd say. I, I don't know. Where, where would you go? I, I always think McCann holds guys accountable uh, really well. He, he's definitely got that that captain mentality and that captain vibe. Um, gosh. You know, I think for the most part, uh, we're all holding ourselves accountable is what it feels like. White Sox 2020 and beyond. Let's go. Dylan, have a ton of fun this year. Stay safe and all that. And I appreciate you being on today and and look forward to watching you come uh, next week, I guess. Yes, sweet. Yeah, I know. Thank you. I appreciate it. Steve Ciszek is going to throw about 40 games out of the 60 this year. Any truth to that rumor, Steve? How are you feeling? <laughs> right now I feel like I could, but I know when it comes down to that stretch, it might be pushing it a little bit. There there was a little narrative out there that, oh, you know, the Cubs overworked Steve Ciszek and that he needed some time off. Was Would you say that's true or kind of just a media thing that was put out there? Um, I'd say it's more media. Like I, I remember, in, I think what, what eighteen uh, through, including the one playoff game, eighty-one appearances, and yeah, sure, I was pretty tired after that season. Arm was a little tired, but I bounced back fine. I started off, you know, the first half of last season, great. Um, you know, it's just, I, I feel like you know this extra time didn't really matter. And the one thing we did that, um, I think kind of hurt me a little bit last year is we kind of took it easy during spring training. Uh, just because I had to workload in 18, and it kind of 
I, I didn't feel right for a while, even though I did all right in the first half. There were some couple outings that were real inconsistent early on. And so for me, I just like to get like my workload in as much as possible now. So that way that during the season, I can bounce back quicker. So that's interesting that you were kind of backed off because you had worked so hard, but you're, you're, you're a guy that needs that feel, right? It's, it's, I don't know if it's, is, is that something that you've always felt like throughout your career? Yeah, I mean, if you watch my delivery, there's knees and elbows flying everywhere. So, I mean, there's a lot going on. And for me, feel getting feel for my stuff is, is very important, um, especially if I'm like, you know, you ride you ride the roller coaster when you're a reliever. You got your highs where you're just everything's flowing great. You're on time. Then you got your lows where it's just like, man, I can't. I feel like I'm getting my foot down. My arm is way behind. And so you want to ride those highs as long as you can, but also stay consistent. So for me, getting consistent work is key. See, I didn't want to play amateur pitching coach, Stephen, but I was going to say, well, you've got a kind of a funky motion. It would maybe make sense that you need to be out there just to get into the actual groove of where you want to be. But I, I appreciate you for naming it. But, I, you know, I don't like when radio guys do that. Like, what the hell do I know? <laughs> you guys watch a lot of baseball. You, you know more than you think. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. Were you surprised that the team that came after you this offseason was the White Sox? Um, You know, not not so much because right after the World Series, according to my agent, you know, the White Sox called pretty quick. Um, they were one of the first teams to call just to check in, you know what I mean, not to make an offer. But so when they when my agent told me that, I'm like, all right, here we go. Like, you know, I know they're, these guys are going to be trying to build a little bit this year. And sure enough, they did. And I was one of the later pieces. So I was happy to be like, yeah, if you guys want to make this happen. I'm, I'm all about it. You know, you put all these pieces together. I want to be a part of that. So um, it, it wasn't too big of a surprise. So seeing it from afar, but then seeing it actually up close and now in, I guess, whatever we're calling this workouts or spring training part two, is it been kind of eye-opening? Like how much, I, I know this, these are your teammates, you're not going to say anything negative here, but it's like, has it been eye-opening just to see, whoa, there really is a lot of talent here? Does it stand out? Oh, yeah. I mean, I noticed that back in the original spring training, it was like, well, you see it on paper, you're like, all right. And then you see, especially like the young talent. Like, I know what the veteran guys can do, but the young talent here is, is pretty eye-opening. You know, our, Luis uh, Robert in center field is an absolute animal. And so I'm really excited to watch him play. Um, you know, I've, I've seen what Eloy can do. You know, I was on the <laughs> the other end of that last year, you know, watching it. Um, and yeah. It was scary. So. Um, yeah, the, the talent here, you know, is is outstanding. So it's really cool to kind of see it all come together. And, um, you know, I was really disappointed we couldn't already have a season because I was, you know, excited to get the season started and see what we could do. But I'm just glad that we do have these games coming up. We had Dylan Cease on the show earlier today, and, you know, Luis Robert came up there as well. And he had never seen anybody fall down and hit a home run. You're a little bit more of a veteran than Dylan. Have you seen someone fall down and take it out of the ballpark? I'm not sure I have, to be quite honest. I've seen guys swing from a knee and hit it out, but not literally fall down flat on the ground and still drive a ball out. I've seen, well, when I was talking about Eloy, a broken bat fly out of the ballpark, which was sort of a rare thing. I think I've only seen Giancarlo Stanton do that back in the minor leagues when I played with him. And so, you know, I mean, Eloy's got some insane pop, um, so it shouldn't surprise me. But, yeah, it was, it was, it's definitely unique. And you're making me think back to last year, Sox at Wrigley, and of course you were on the other side at that point. But when Eloy hit that home run, Steve, I thought that uh, they were playing on the south side. There was a lot of noise going on there from the White Sox fans. It was loud. It was loud. <laughs> and I remember after the game, you know, I was, you know, talking about him like, dude, that guy just broke his bat and hit that thing out of here. Like, well, what are you gonna do? You know, <laughs> I mean, he made you pitch. It just, you know, just went out of the park. 
Yeah. That was, okay. When you're, I guess, that big and strong, you can you can do things like that. So let, let's talk sort of elephant in the room here with the coming back to play in the middle of the pandemic. And you had been somewhat vocal beforehand saying you didn't want to play in a situation where guys were going to be quarantined. Uh, but now, you know, you've you got to take on the travel and all of that. How, how are you feeling about being out there? And would you say you're, you know, going to the ballpark every day? It, it feels even close to normal. Yeah, you know, early on, I, I said that, too, because they were talking about our families not coming. For me, that would have been an issue with that. You know, if we were to play four months of a season, um, this is obviously different now. Our family, my family's with me. You know, we've been good about being, you know, staying in at our, at our place. And um, and so for me, I, I actually feel safer now. Um, you know, when I was in Florida, talk started happening where we looked like we were going to start in, like, you know, m- mid-June or something or and uh, so I'm like, well, I got to get like, not that I wasn't working out at home. I was, but it's a whole nother level when you're able to actually get in a gym and throw with other human beings instead of a net. Like I got to get going. I got to throw to catcher. Like we need to get this started. So for like two months, I was throwing to catchers, facing hitters. Um, I even played in one game before coming out here and we're not getting tested. I was, it was complete risk. Um, so the fact that, you know, I didn't get it well, you know, in Florida is a praise, but I, I was like, if, Anything we do during this season is going to become way safer than what I was doing just to prepare for the season. So I, my family and I feel a lot more comfortable actually being out here. Yeah, it's super interesting. So you, you've basically felt like you had to take that risk because, look, if it, you know, we get out there right now and I'm not ready, that's going to be a big-time problem. Yeah, I'm gonna. I can hurt my arm. Um, I could, you know, not being prepared. You know, letting the team down. You know, and knowing that I should have been preparing. Um, and so, yeah, I, obviously, I wanted to get the work in to to prepare for a season. That's just the way I've, you know, I have to. Does doing all that work almost feel like a season in itself? Like it almost, you know, you yes, it's July and you guys haven't played a game, but you've been working out this much, so it's sort of like mid July as far as how your arm feels. Or I, I, also, I, I guess I read something earlier this week that you feel like you're it's it's just past spring training like you're past the dead arm phase yeah well yeah i'm trying to get you're right i'm trying to get through that dead arm phase i went back to back early since being here this summer um just because i threw low pitch count i was like i can i get back out there because i want to get that part of (laughs) the dead arm over with and we were able to do it so yeah that's a big thing um but you know I, I I was going pretty hard in Florida in terms of facing hitters. It was like twice a week, and like I said, I pitched in the game, and that helped me out a ton just from an endurance standpoint. So when I came out here, I threw my first bullpen, live BP. It wasn't a big deal. You know, I, I was barely sore until I actually pitched in the game. And when you pitch in the game, it's just a whole other level. You can't replicate it. So, uh, of course, I was sore after that. Um, but if I had I not trained in Florida, I, I wouldn't be feeling very good at all. But I feel fresh. White Sox reliever Steve Ciszek with us here for a couple more moments on 720 WGN. It's White Sox Weekly. Anybody on the Cubs you want to face this week? <laughs> Whoever steps in the box, you know. <laughs> I always, you always have this, like, I wouldn't say a grudge, but, you know, a chip on your shoulder when you're facing older teams. You know, it's some of the guys you're friends with and stuff like that, and you don't want your boys to get a hit off you. So, and I almost feel that way in these inner squads. I'm like, I can't let these guys get hit off me. They're my teammates, and I don't want to hear it in the locker room. So there's that competitive edge that, you know, keeps us going. <laughs> That's I asked Dylan the same thing. It's like, whoa, you know, I see you every day. I definitely want to strike you out. Like, yep. I, would, I think that's high motivation, right? Yeah, I'm going for lumber early, and if I get two strikes, I'm trying to strike them out for sure, Sean. I'm going to try to carry that into the season, no doubt. Just for those at home who don't understand that, I believe you mean you're trying to break their bats when you say going uh, for lumber? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to break their fast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, you know, I, it's just, you know, I, I got to make sure all our listeners that are on board here. And I, I was also just making sure for myself as I well. Appreciate it. So I, I want to like little off the field stuff here. Is it true that you won't eat lobster and or crab legs? And you have a huge phobia. Is that accurate? <laughs> that that might be partially true. I uh, I, I like king crab legs now. I don't know what happened, <laughs> but uh, if, they, if if I see a crab or a lobster alive around me, I I lose it as if it were like if someone had arachnophobia or something. They're scared of spiders. Like I'm terrified of lobsters and crabs, and don't ask me why. I I think I was just haunted when I was a kid with them. It sounds to me like you've been eating a Joe Stone crab and realized how delicious it is. The first, yeah, that's a good point. So the first crab leg I had was at Joe Stone Crab, and I was like, you know what? That's actually really good. I don't know why I've been holding out this whole time. And, yes, ever since then I've been eating them. You do it with the mustard or the butter? Butter. Oh, wow. See, okay. I I was with you. you got to try try the mustard one time. I'm telling you it's delicious. (laughs) It's it's a huge winner. Hey, it's awesome what you're doing with Cameo, too. You're trying to um, raise money, and you're you're charged. What are you raising money for again, Steve? Um, no kid hungry. Yeah, they. Uh, so early, early, early on, when I first signed up for Cameo. It was like it had you choose, and I was like, yeah, I, of course, I'd like to support No Kid Hungry. So I wasn't expecting to get a bunch of uh, Cameo requests, being a middle relief pitcher. But we did all right. You know, I was able to raise three hundred dollars, and now, um, you know, I just actually had a Cameo today. So I'm still raising up. Once I get to another three hundred dollars, I'll send it in, and so on. So, yeah, I'm just gonna keep it going. So go to Cameo, hit up Steve Ciszek, give him 20 bucks, and it goes to a great cause. I actually think you should charge a couple of dollars more, Steve, but hey, uh, you know, you can, I guess, raise it as you go along. It's up to you. But I, th- I think you're worth, I- I'm going to say you're worth at least 35. How's that? <laughs> Sounds good. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, last two here. Goals for the season. What, what are you, anything you wrote down or anything you're thinking about? Yeah, I don't want to give up a run the entire season. For real? Is that a real? No, I, mean, no, it's not, I know that's not reality, but I mean, every year I'm like, I'm going to see how far I can go. Some years it's like, oh, I'm doing all right. Other years, like, I give up a run, you know, early. So, no, um, goals, you know, I'm more of a team guy. If, if I'm able to moment by moment do my job, um, that's, that's why I feel like I put our team in the best position to win. Um, you know, going out there, pitch to pitch, focusing, concentrate, and everything else will take care of itself. So it's just trusting in the process uh, is my main goal. Um, from a team standpoint, obviously, it's making those playoffs. You know, I want to be a part of, um, you know, a White Sox playoff team to be able to push forward and for these young guys to, to get that experience as well. And, you know, for me to get that experience, I've only had one game in the playoffs, and uh, it was insane amount of pressure, and I loved it. It was fun, and I want other people to – I want my teammates to experience that too. So playoff bound is definitely a goal, and making sure that moment to moment I'm locked in, you know, that's a huge goal of mine. You're going to have to do it on the field, but do you see the team ready to uh, at least push for it? I mean, of course, yeah. I mean, like we were talking about the talent with the young guys earlier, we got the veteran guys to complement that young talent. So um, I, I think, uh, obviously, I, I believe – you know, we have a shot. Otherwise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be playing the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think you guys have a great shot at it. Super excited to see it. Last one for you as uh, you, you move from the north side to the south side. Just the What would you say, uh, I don't know, biggest difference? And, and I'm sure you have respect for both of them, but playing for Joe and now playing for Ricky. Uh, wh- how would you compare and contrast the two? I mean, yeah, trust me, I got the respect for both of those guys. And I'm um, getting to know Ricky as well. And you know, they're just, they are opposites in, in terms of, um, you know, coaching style. I'm not, you know, Joe's very laid back, 
Um, you know, he, he kind of lets the players please themselves and Ricky does too. Um, but Ricky will come in and, you know, he'll, he'll fire us up before, you know, spring training, uh, workouts or a game and stuff like that. Every day we're having a team meeting to communicate. Um, Joe was not about the meetings. Ricky's about, you know, making sure we're focused every day, um, you know, with the meetings. So yeah, I mean, there's two different styles, you know, I appreciate both sides of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, and we'll see how the, the season goes right now. I love, I love what Ricky has to say, and it's been fun being a part of it. Yeah, as a vet, but a new guy, are you are you vocal in there, Steve? I mean, yeah, I'm, I've always been. I, I feel like like a leader by example type guy. I'm not the most uh, talkative, but if I see something, then I want to talk about it with the guys. You know, I want to pull a guy aside and chat with them, and I, I just look for opportunities to try to make the guy next to me better on the team, and that's a huge reason why I play this game is I want to be able to serve my teammates in that way and um, be the best teammate possible to help them become, you know, a better ball player and, you know, hopefully a better man with other things. So, um, you know, that's a major reason why I play. Steve Ciszek, you are class act. Great to have you on the South side. It's going to be a fun season. Stay healthy and tons of success to you. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Windy City Podcast. Thanks to Steve Ciszek. Like, subscribe, tell a friend. Building the best podcast in the history of podcasts. Or just a podcast that's good enough for you. See you next week. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.